0: day? Amen. Amen. You want something you cut your teeth on? You want something that works? Or I got a little something from Reader's Digest. It's just a story. Can I tell you something I told you in April? April the 12th to be exact. Everything, absolutely everything, without exception, this is the total rule, there is no exception to this in this life. Everything in this universe while we're on the planet, it begins with two things. It's real simple. It's always going to work this way. It'll never work another way. You say, well, God's about to do a new thing. Well, it won't be this. <laughs> this will never change. The reason why God never changes is because He's perfect. Yeah. Right? He's not stuck in an old way. You cannot perfect perfection. Right. So, everything in the universe begins with these two things words mm-hmm. and thoughts. Words and thoughts. Now, you know that. So do you see that changing? Hmm? The Scripture said the entrance, Psalms, I think it's 119. I didn't write down the the reference, but I'm I'm sure it's Psalms 119. It says the entrance of God's Word gives light. So I don't know what to do. We'll get in the Word. Amen. It's kind of it's kind of like the saying I don't know what to do. It's kind of like the old saying saying I'm coming in the dark about this thing, which I wouldn't specify as you. Well, if you need light, if you need or if you need answers, you need you need illumination. You need answers. Get to the light, right? The entrance of God's word gives us light. Now, Psalms one nineteen eighty nine, Psalms one nineteen eighty nine says this: the word of God. Is settled in heaven. So there's not, they're, they're not changing that. The Word of God is settled in heaven. So what are we going to do? Well, if it's settled in heaven, it's not going to change. Then we got to settle it here on earth. The Word of God is settled in heaven. What does that mean? That means, well, we won't be here in 100 years. I don't see anyone young enough to be here in 100 years. But if you were here, or your kids or grandkids, this word will say the same thing in 100 years it says right now. And here's the amazing thing. it'll be just It'll be just as up to date. By then, there might be the iPhone 480. <laughs> you know, you can have real quick speeds and all that, and maybe the be to where, no matter where you live. We were with the Billings the other day, and he said, yeah, they're coming to do something at the church and take the speed up from 100 to 115. I went, Real happy for you. I said, ours is about the place to where you can put in the search engine what you want to look, get in your car, and you might beat it there. (laughs) It's it's equivalent to the old dial-up. All right, so God's Word, Isaiah 55 says, God said, my word will not come back to me void. That means without results. Another scripture, I think it's in Samuel, I'm not sure, it said, When God has spoken a word, and no word that God's ever spoken has ever hit the ground. How do you like that? Amen. Not a word from God has ever hit the ground. Amen. <clears throat> well, we know this one very well. The 23rd chapter of the book of Proverbs, the seventh verse says, As a man or woman thinks in their heart, that's who they are, who you think you are. You know, you wouldn't have to tell me. All I have to do is just get around you sometime when we're not at church, mostly. And after a while, you'd reveal it. Did you know that? Did you know you can believe you can find out everything just about a man or woman believes about this if you just listen to them for a while. Get them away from church a little bit and let them talk, and they'll tell you what they believe on just about any subject. Why? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I always say it this way. Out of the abundance of the heart, out of the, of the, heart, the mouth, mouth leaks. Right? So here's what the Word can do and is doing for all of us. God's Word has the power to do this. This is good news for you. You're going to be so happy you didn't wait till Sunday to hear this. But since you came out, I think you ought to get it on Wednesday. It's like getting paid before payday. (laughs) The Word of God can align align anything that is misaligned. Maybe a faulty mindset, a belief system, tradition, uh, ideologies, doctrines. Timothy talks about there's doctrine of demons. never thought about a demon having a doctrine, did you? But they do. The Word of God can align any thought or suggestion that is trying to exalt itself above the will of God in your life. The Word of God itself will do it. See, if all you'll do is just take truth. Now, if you don't like to read the Bible, you don't like to study... Do the best you can. You won't do very well in life. But if you're a great lover of truth, if you hold on to truth and just truth and just decide, I believe in this. Well, is it working? Yeah, he said it was. Yeah, but I mean, is it really working? Yeah, he really said it was. Well, what do you believe about that? I don't have a belief. My belief is that right there. Well, what's your opinion? Oh, I don't have one. Oh, surely you got opinion. I don't have no opinion. Uh, he said it's settled in heaven. Was that opinion? What kind of opinion can you have out of that? Right? If an officer tells you you're under arrest, you say, "What? What's your opinion?" <laughs> it might as well be you under arrest, <laughs> right? Y'all did all right. Yeah. So, there's life producing power that resides in every spiritual word. We know that if we put taters in the ground and we do it the right way, we know what's going to eventually surface. Or we're going to dig them out, right? Taters grow in the ground, right? You see, we don't have to be there. You wouldn't have to be there with me when I planted to not know what I planted. Or to know what I planted. If you just come around in a few weeks, or a month or two, you'll find out what I planted. Why? Because whatever is inherent in that seed, once it gets to the ground and has ample time to grow, will reveal itself to the world. Whatever is planted, good or bad, with ample time to grow, will reveal itself to everyone who's looking. Right. Everything in the natural world began as a spiritual seed or thought. Mm-hmm. Everything. Well, all I'm trying to say is the temporal realm. The temporal realm. This temporal realm has all of its roots in the spiritual realm. How do we know that? Well, 2 Peter 1.3 says, According as His divine power hath given unto you, His divine power gave to you, not Peter, you, all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, who hath called you to glory and virtue. The next verse says, Whereby are given unto you exceeding great and precious promises, that by these promises, by these great and precious promises, you will be the partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. You're going to escape it. So our part in that, after the seed, is to, you know, uh, I don't know if anyone ever does this, but, Grandy used to put up. A, she'd plant her seed, and since she didn't want to stay up all night with a shotgun get rabbits out, she put up scarecrows, and she used them old pie uh, aluminum deals, you know. And y'all ever do that? Put up a scarecrow, and uh, why? Because she's trying to guard what she's wanting to grow. And so, Proverbs four twenty three says, "Here's what you need to do." He said, "You'll have to guard your heart." You say, well, that's why I have a pastor. Well, it doesn't say that. I can't guard your heart. You can't guard anybody else's heart, can you? Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart above all else, above everything else. Above everything else. For out of your heart will determine the course of your life. A lot of translations say it a different way out of your heart will determine the course that your life's taking. <clears throat> now, uh, this verse, I want us to look at it. I've already quoted it, but I want us to look at it, and I'll, we'll say something else about it again two or three times. Uh, Matthew chapter 12. And we'll read uh, verse 35 through 37. It says, a good man. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart will bring forth good things. An evil man out of the evil treasure will bring forth evil things. Jesus said, but I say to you, that every idle word that men will speak, they will give an account. Therefore, in the day of judgment, he means to him. By your words, you will be justified. By your words, you will be condemned. He's not talking about Christians being justified or condemned to hell. You know, there's, there'll be things in heaven that rewards won't happen. This will be some of the reason. Our words took it away from us. We didn't deal with the fault. We gave the fault time to grow. We let it stay in the ground of our thinking and of our heart. We let it get a stronghold until it developed a root system. Then we tried to pull on it because it started causing a little in our side, but we couldn't pull it up that easy. And then we began to feel the effects of it, so we gave sway to it. And then because the effects was greater than it was when it was a seed and it's uncomfortable physically or emotionally, we wanted to give voice to it. And the more we give voice to it, the more we fertilize it. The more we fertilize it, the more it grows cousins. First cousins. Kissing cousins. Which I never knew what that was. But what he's saying in Matthew 12, 34, 35, he says, whatever's in your heart will determine what you say. Whatever's in your heart is, is going to eventually determine what you're going to say. He said a good person will produce good things from the treasury of his good heart. Right? Amen. An evil person will produce the evil things from the treasury of his evil heart. So that's why words and thoughts. So whatever is occupying your mind determines what eventually will fill your mouth. Whatever's in your mind will eventually fill your mouth which will fill your world, which will determine your future. So every circumstance in life that you and I have is a choice. Not every other. And every choice is a result of a thought. Let me say that one more time. Every circumstance in life is a choice, and every choice is a result of a thought. Whatever fills your mind is holding the key to your future. Your thoughts are providing the fuel for your words, and your words are providing the fuel for your world. Hosea eight seven don't turn it says, For they that sow the wind, will reap the whirlwind. If you sow wind, you're going to reap a whirlwind. In other words, we got to take responsibility for what we experience in life. If you don't like where you are tonight, you're just one thought and one word away from going another direction. You don't like what you experienced in life, you're just one thought and one word from going the other direction. We've all been lost on the highway before, haven't you? Even men will admit it tonight. You might go 40 miles off course, but as soon as you get off the interstate or wherever you are and go back the other way, you're, you're, you're 40 miles out, but you're headed in the right direction. So it's not where you are. You say, my life turned into a mess. I mean, you don't know where I am. It it, it doesn't really matter where you are. It matters where you're headed. Huh? So you're you're getting there is not the success. It's your choosing to go there that makes you a success. If I go to a doctor and say I need to drop 100 pounds, seriously, 50, 10, 4, whatever. And he puts me on a, or she puts me on a program to do it, a proven program, and I stick to it. And, and they tell me, well, if you're going to drop 50, we're going to do two pounds a week, 26 weeks. This is what you're going to look like. When I make the decision to do that, and I make the choice to do that, am I really a success at the end or am I successful when I made the decision and implemented it? So see, you're all, you're all headed somewhere that you're not there yet. But if you made the choice to do it, If you made the decision to do it, if you've determined in your heart to do it, if you committed it to God to do it, you're well on your way. And God doesn't know time. So 26 weeks is today to him. Psalms 138 said he saw all your days before you lived one of them. He said he was watching while he was grafting you in your mother's womb. And he had plans on you before he put you in the womb. That means he knew you before you was there to be known. Now, I don't know how you do that. Do you know how you do that? That's why he's God. He wrote the book. We just read it. God had designs on you before there was you. That's why we can trust him. He's powerful. And he's good. And he knows what he's doing. Hallelujah! Y'all are fun to preach to tonight. No, I'm having me a time up here. Woo. So, so if we're going to do this properly. We got to become professionals. Hmm? If we're going to do something, let's be professional, right? You're professionals in your trade, right? Some of you work in places that just other people, not everybody can go in there. I've been to some of the home Scott works in, and I don't think just because you got a toolbox, you can go. You might go, but you may not stay long. It's a different clientele most of the time where you're working, right? You know, you can't go watch YouTube videos and get a job framing something. You say, well, I watched three videos. You better not tell them that. Hmm? Right? I mean, just because a man has tools, I don't mean I, I don't want him under my hood, do you? You know any mechanics you wouldn't want to work on your stuff? Huh? I know sometimes you got to, it's, you know, it's kind of like medical science. Sometimes you go in there, the, you got to do this and do that, and you know, then that didn't work, and something else. It can be expensive for the ones who's paying as you learn. But, you see, if we're going to do this, we might as well be professional at it. If you leave nothing but the Word of God in your head and in your heart and out your mouth, the Holy Spirit said you are perfect. If you choose to use nothing but the fuel of the Word and speak that alone, he's, James said you're a perfect man. Perfect absolutely perfect in all your ways. Hmm? I don't care what kind of revelation is being taught now. We can go ooh and all ah about. If you ever leave this message, none of the rest of it is going to work because you had the greatest revelation in the Word, but if, you, if you've if got a junky mouth and a junky mind, I don't care if you know when Jesus come back, you may not even make it because you'll talk yourself out of it. This is premier. Control your mind, control your mouth, control your life. You want a better life? Get a better mind and a better mouth. Hmm. Some say, "Well, you just want them faith people." Thank God! Thank God, you recognized it. Thank God. What do you want, them ones? You the president of the doubt club, or what? The unbelief club. Well, you don't ever know what God's going to do. Well, I do. I read it. I know what he's going to do. I read it. Tell me what he's going to do. He said, as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seed, time, and harvest. Sounds like I know what he's going to do, right? He said, I'm cu- I went, I came, I'm coming back again. So I know he's coming back again. They said, when? He said, a little while. Now, I got to define how he, what he thinks a little while is because he told them I'll be back in a little while. It's been 2,000 years. So, I don't know what he thinks a long time is. <laughs> Amen. Amen. we got to sift your thoughts. You ladies ever, ever sift anything? Flour or something, right? Mm hmm. By filtering out everything that you don't want to show up in your future. You ever sift something out of the sink or whatever you don't want to showing up in the meal? But we, we don't do that with our mind. We just say, oh, well, you know, just do the best we can. Mm-hmm. I don't want to eat that restaurant where they did the best they can. I want to go up there and look at that, the, the, that number on the wall, and it and it's hitting close to 100. I don't want to go in there and it's 47. That's doing the best you can. Well, no, that ain't doing the best you can. That ain't even doing. Not that I know what I'm talking about, Cameron. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just, you know. See, the people who have trouble eating at restaurants is the people who know about the restaurant business because they know what can happen in the kitchen. You want, you want to find someone at, in the courtroom nervous, find you an attorney who's having to have an attorney at a court case because he knows everything that can go wrong. You want to see a, a doctor nervous, just find one about to have surgery because he knows how many things he forgot and sold up in there with you. <laughs> huh? <laughs> they know too much. They know way too much. I've watched too many carpet stylists work on things that said, hurry up before they get back in here. They won't see what we're doing, that we shouldn't be doing. Hmm? All right. Let me get off that into something better. Praise God. Heaven has a culture. We have a culture. Every country has a culture, and to be in that culture, it's established around the language. How could you How could you implement the culture and work with one another without a language? See, that's what happened in Tower of Babel. They were doing something that God didn't want them to do, and He had to stop them. So He went down and confused their language. He said, "Because if I don't, the thing that they imagine do, they're going to do it." I gotta go down here and stop it. So they had a culture idea of what they were gonna do. It wasn't the plan of God. He had to stop it. So he so he he confused their language. And they, they started speaking different dialects and they couldn't understand each other, so they couldn't carry out the objective of the, the plan of the culture. Heaven is a culture, earth is a culture we as believers are to adapt heaven's culture into earth. Where you live, how you live, is supposed to typify heaven. On earth, Jesus teaches how to pray. He said, okay, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Right? God wanted to establish heaven's culture in the earth through his believer. He knew he could do it because he gave you a heart and a mouth. How did Adam keep the rhinoceros out of the cabbage? He didn't have a scattergun. He had a mouth. God said, you will rule and reign in this life with your mouth. How does a king establish rule in a kingdom, in a in a monarchy? By a choice, and then he releases his authority through what? Through words. So we know that our words, death and life, Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life is in the power of your tongue. Your tongue. That's why the policeman has to say it. I mean, it's, it's, it's his responsibility to tell you. When he's arresting you, you have the right to remain silent. Anything that you say or do can, and we will use it against you in a court of law. So you have a right to be quiet and not answer any of our questions. Because if you say it, we're going to use it against you. Your right is now going to become our right. So what you need to do is be quiet. So if you don't want to be imprisoned, you might not, you, 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 you may want to be quiet. If you don't want Satan to take you prisoner, you might want to be quiet. If you don't want to lose all your finances, your health, you might want to shut up. And only say, see, I'm, I'm, what am I doing? And only say what God says, which means what? I'm aligning my world like his world, because I'm taking his culture and put it into my culture, but it needs the exchange, it needs the currency of faith, and faith can only be released through the spoken word. Only. So faith has a currency. Faith is the currency of heaven. But it's released in words. Let's go to James. Well, uh, are you still in Matthew 12? You, 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 so uh, remember, here's what he said. He said, by your words, you're going to be justified, and by your words, you're going to be condemned. Amplified says, by your words, you'll be justified, acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned and you will be sentenced. So he talked about idle words in here. Idle words are, he says, don't speak idle words. Idle words is a non-working, non-profitable, it's a lazy lie. It's, it, it also falls in the area of telling a bunch of jokes all the time. It's jesting. It's calling someone 600 pounds tiny. You say, are you trying to take all the fun out of life? No, I'm trying to increase your life. How many know that everything God says comes to pass? But what if God just told jokes all the time? You didn't know if he's telling the truth, telling jokes joke, just carrying on some mess all the time. I mean, this world fall to pieces because everything he says comes to pass. Right? Yeah. right? Well, do you want everything that you say to come to pass? No. <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> Did you know most people have said yes? But if, but if you could order your words are right and you were a perfect man, how would you like everything you say come to pass? Right now we selectively want things that we say come to pass. I would say probably everyone in the world and everyone in this room, of course, if everything that we had said come to pass the way that we said it, no one would be alive. Even if it was jesting, like that tickled me to death. That'd be a terrible way to die, wouldn't it? Could you imagine dying, being tickled? My wife, just, my wife will hurt you if you tickle her. She thinks, she thinks it's complete torture. There was a couple of times I don't do it anymore, but years ago, and I was just going to, I knew what I was just going to mess with, it, and I got, and she ran for the butcher knives as fast as she could. And she says, Don't make me stab you, but I will. I'll, I will take you out. <laughs> and she went like this at me, and I mean, with some swiftness to it. <clears throat> well, you say, Well, you know, this saying that tickles me to death is not going to come to pass. No, it probably won't because he said, believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth. You say, well, what's the big deal? Here's the big deal. Your heart don't know what to do with it. So you're trying to establish what you say to come to pass. And when you're just throwing everything in the kitchen sink out there, your heart, uh, James says you deceive your own heart. Your heart doesn't know what to do with it because you're just speaking all this stuff. Well, I just love them to death. do not you just love them to Why Won't you just love them? Why why you gotta love them all the way to death? Can't you just love them? See you you see how much death we have in our vocabulary? Well, I tell you what. I love I love that to death, and I love this to death. I love that chocolate to death, and death by chocolate, and I love all this stuff. To... Well, like Randy Green said, he's here, he says, no, we don't we don't love that. We don't love anything that can't love us back. You can't love pizza. Pizza can't love you back. (laughs) Now, it can stay on you close like a hug. (laughs) You can wear that love. (laughs) Right? Can you see that, though? Can you see just these sometimes little things where we have weaken things. Mm-hmm. It's the love of God that shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. The love of God that shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost wasn't for you to love catfish. That's right. That's right. It was to love others. Yeah. The, way, the, the way Christ loved you. Mm-hmm. True. Mm-hmm. So let's don't, let's don't take something that, 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 that's that awesome and bring it down to catfish. Let's just say I like catfish, or you won't say it, but anyway, uh, or I enjoy this. See, Charles Capps never would People thought, well, he just ain't no fun. He said, but uh, I just, I don't say these things. He said, if I tell a joke, he said, I say this, uh, here's a joke about a man. He don't say there was a man because he said, because there wasn't a man. If there was a man, I don't know if he was a man, so I ain't going to say there was a man. He said, this is a joke about a man. You say, well, you think that's necessary? Well, you can have his results. I went back, studied it this week and, and read a report on it. They said, so He, uh, Charles Capps passed 2014, February 23rd. He told his family on February 21st, I'm through with my assignment. I want to go home. I'm all fine. You're fine. Let's meet together. Half family, hug each other, discuss what need to discuss. and three days, on going home. The Lord said I could. I finished my assignment. They did that. They spent their time together. All the kids finally left. He walked down the hallway, closed door, went to bed. 5.30 in the morning, they went in there, he was gone. You say, what was he sick with? Nothing. He was through. Here's a man who spent his whole life talking about speaking the word. You can have what you say. And he believed he could do that. And he decided he was through. just happened to be he was 80. He didn't have 4,000 wires hooked up to him. Hmm. He had, like Mark Hankins would say, he had his believer hooked up to his speaker. He had his believer hooked up to his speaker. Now, all right, uh, James, real quickly. Are we all right? Yes. James. That's right after Hebrews, which means that you make the coffee, I guess. It says he does the brewing. James three. What a wonderful book. I'll read it from the amplified. Verse 2 says, for we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things. If anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things. He's fully developed character and he is a perfect man. And to control his whole body and curb his entire nature. See, here's the perfect man. A man who never offends in word or speech, never says wrong things. Hmm. You know, Israel said, speaking of the land of Canaan, they said it's evil. Made God mad. Because he said it was good. They didn't align themselves with truth made God angry. Well, here we align this. He says, so if you don't say the wrong thing, he says, you are a perfect man, and a perfect man can control his whole body and curb his entire nature. You think that's an important message? You mean if I speak God's Word and I don't mix it with a bunch of stuff, I can control my whole life and my whole body and my future? That's what he says. You see, we didn't say all that. Well, let's keep reading. Now, I want you. If we set bits in a horse's mouth to make them obey us, we can turn their whole body around about. Isn't that what a bit's for? You put a bridle with a bit. The bit does what? puts presses down, it puts pressure on the tongue. Here you are, whatever size you are 40 pounds to 440. Who, know, who knows? but you're on a 1,000-pound horse. you got an 80-pound jockey sitting on a 1,000-pound horse, and an 80-pound jockey can make that horse do exactly what he wants it to do by putting pressure on its mouth, by putting a bit in its mouth. See it? We can turn the horse's whole body around. Likewise, look at the ships. That though they are so great and driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the impulse of the hull, the helmsman determines. Even so, a tongue is a little member, but it boasts of great things. See how much it would great. Uh, see how much would or how great a forest a tiny spark can stable or can set ablaze because the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among your members, contaminating and depraving the whole body and setting on fire the wheel of birth, the circle of man's nature being itself ignited by hell. So he tells us the mouth or the tongue is one of the smallest members of the body. He said it's the deadliest thing in you. the deadliest thing in us. So let me put some things out here real quick. So people see sometimes words just being, well, I didn't read much. I mean, you know, I'm just joking. Or, you know, everybody says that. So they see their words as being maybe small or insignificant, small things, but how you know small things, according to a tongue, small things make a big deal, right? Verse 3, it said, A bit and a rudder, or small things, controls big things. A bit, or a rudder, like on a ship, which are small things, controls big things. It says you can take a match, create a spark, and have a forest fire. So a spark is a small thing, right? You know, every year we've got fires in California, Colorado, forest fires started from a spark. Your words, your words affect your world. Because they're the steering wheel of your life. Your words are steering your life. Your words are steering your life. Wherever the bit goes, the horse goes. Wherever the rudder goes, the ship goes. Wherever your mouth goes, your life goes. If you keep steering, if you keep steering your steering wheel away from the church, you ain't never gonna get here. Hmm? Because that is the the terminus. Would anybody want to get in the car and hit the pedal and not have a steering wheel in? I mean, just floorboard it, no steering wheel. Anybody wanna do that? Why do we live life like that? Let's say, mash the motor. See where we end up. No, let's don't do that. Well, some say, well, you know, it ain't that big a deal because God's in control. He is. And he's got that kind of mess. Hmm. Well, he's in control. If you put his word in your mouth, in your heart, in your mouth, he's now in control. If you're speaking, if we're speaking things contrary to his will that does not align itself with his word, he is not in control. You are in control. Actually, Satan's in control. Satan has now become your master, and you're supposed to be his master. Whoever controls the bit controls the horse. Whoever controls the rudder controls the ship. Whoever controls your mouth is controlling your life. You can't go somewhere different until you say something different. Hmm? You won't say something different or see something different until you sow words or sowing, until you sow something different. <clears throat> if Satan can't control your mouth, he cannot control your life. There's a Lord, just take this stuff away from me. Take these cigarettes away. He don't want them, He don't smoke he don't do drugs or anything. Well, I can't get free from this stuff. I don't know why. Well, you ought to now. You keep on licensing it to stay in your life. Boy, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. You ever try to quit smoking? It's the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah, the more you keep talking about, the harder it gets. Once you start talking about how easy it is. Now I'm not picking on that. Uh, you know. Uh like they on fried foods or ice cream or, you know, letting a dog lick you in the mouth of rabies. I don't know. I just say, there's a lot of ways to leave the planet. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Now, they don't get offended at me because you know we we all got stuff, right? But we are we are letting it be in our life. Hmm. You can't tell me you ascribe to the belief that you can speak to a mountain, it'll obey you, but you're telling me, but I can't, you know, but I can't lay down bread for a week. You mean a mountain can obey you, but bread, you obey it. i better get off that. I can tell you in a hurry. Uh, If Satan can't control your mouth, can't control your life, now watch it. Satan... I want you to get this if you don't get nothing else. You ready? Oh, we ain't got time. No. I promise you this is going to happen to you this week. Because I preached this message, this is going to happen to you this week. Most of it's going to happen before you get home. Satan is going to speak to you. To plant something in you so you'll say it. He's going to give you, he's going to speak something to you in thought form to get it into you because he needs you to say it. Because when you say it, you authorize it because you plant it in your life. So he's going to constantly speak thoughts into you, ideas into you, what it looks like. What it feels like to come through your emotional realm and your feeling realm and what you don't what you don't feel good and how you don't feel good and what it looks like in your relationships and he's gonna do the pile on effect. He's gonna plant it in you because he all he wants you to do is just speak it out. He needs you to speak it out. So he he's the one that plants. But we're supposed to be planning. People want to talk what is. Well, you just don't, yeah, but, you know, you just don't understand how my life is. Yeah, but see, you want to talk what is and end up somewhere else. The enemy wants to get people to talk the problem. You know why? Because it keeps them at the problem. If you talk the problem, you stay at the problem. It's not until we rise up in faith and call those things that be not as though they were do we leave that problem. Amen. This is not good English. If you believe what be, you say, well, you know, you just don't, I'm just telling you what be, what be going on. Well, okay, just, I mean, I, there it is, got to say it. It's in the solace realm, just think I got to get it out. But if you believe what be and talk what be, you be stuck with what be. Hmm? If you want change, you have to believe what be not. And say what be not. Well, that just don't work for me. i tried it. Oh, well, let me tell the Lord he was wrong then. I'm sorry. Lord... Somehow after these years, it changed. Fred over here tried it. It didn't work. You're going to have to update this book because they tried it. Well, they spoke it three times. But you don't master something three times. How many when you went to kindergarten they taught you some form of math? How many got math in the first grade, second grade, third grade, fourth grade? See what I'm saying? If you go to college, you get more math. You can still be taking some math you never took. So you don't master math because you say two plus two is one, two, and then you start using your toes and all that. No, no. We started there. Now, this culture and this language from heaven is to call things that be not as though they were. Now, uh, let's end up here because we're running out of time tonight. We want those kids to have a good time back there. But uh, Romans 4, I know you know it, 4.19, no, 4.18, To about Abraham, who against hope, Abraham believed in hope. Now, how come we don't have no hope? Well, because the promise is what? You're going to have a child. How come you don't have no hope? Uh, he's 100. Mm-hmm. She's 90. Yeah. Say not normal. not normal. And she's she's been barren her whole life. Now you're barren plus you're 90 in 100. Mm-hmm. So do you see any hope there? Mm-hmm. Do you see any natural hope? Mm-hmm. I, mean, there's, I mean, he can't say, well, now there was a couple. No, there wasn't a couple. I mean, just like if you're if you're someone in the world believing for something, no one in the world's ever done. Hmm. It's isn't it a little bit easier when you meet people, then you say, "Well, this happened, that happened." We just believe in God, and this is what God did. But no one here is living to be a three hundred, five, six, seven hundred years now. Out, you know, and so here, here we have this. Now he's he's a hundred, she's ninety, and and she's. Not in a position to have children, naturally speaking. So he said, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was what? So the the hope that he has is according to what's what? Spoken? Spoken. Spoken. Yes. And what what else? Nothing. His hope is in what? Something spoken. He said, then so shall not thy seed be. Abraham was not weak in faith. He considered his own body, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old, yet, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb. See, he wasn't weak in faith because he considered not. When you start considering all kind of stuff, you got weak faith. The more you consider, the weaker your faith is. Abraham considered not, and he was not weak in faith. Watch you. He staggered not the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And was fully persuaded that what he to my God had promised, God was able to perform it. Hmm. Now go, go, go back to the verse 17, back up there. Here's the promise. Here's the promise that God made Abraham about this child, Isaac. As it is written, God tells Abraham before there's a child, he tells him he's going to have a multitude. He's telling a man that his, his lineage is going to be so great. He says, if you could number the stars and number the sands on the sea, he said, that, wouldn't, that, that won't even be, he said, the, the, the number of your descendants will be greater. He's telling a man who doesn't have one kid that if you can number the seas, sands, and the, and the stars, your the multitude of your family will be so large it'll be greater than that. And the man doesn't have one child. But here's the promise. As it is written, God said, I have made you the father of many nations. Are you all seeing that? Now, is, is I have made you, is that something he's going to do? I mean, I wasn't that great in English, but I, ha- I have. Does that sound like something he's about to do? Does that sound like something to the mind of God he already did? So God's telling the man who doesn't have one child, who's going to have the largest family on planet Earth, I've already made you the father of many nations. Amen. Which means I've already healed you. Amen. I've already delivered you. Thank you. Amen. Those kids that are acting like that, I've already saved them. Amen. Yeah, but I've already saved them. But did but did they done, already saved them before Him whom He believed even God who quickens. Now here, here's what God does: He quickens the dead and and calls those things which be not as though they were. Instead of calling things, well, I just believe in calling it like it be. Well, God do not He is calling it like it be not. Hmm? Well, is it lying? How could you lie saying what God says? Now, if you're just doing it to get attention and tell stories, it's lying. But God said if, if the, if the, in the morning, he said the, the sky is going to be turquoise and orange and, and, and uh, it's going to rain peanut butter. It's going to. Yeah. Something may not be too bad. I don't know. Look at the Amplified. As it is written, oh, this is so good. We should have to charge double for this right here. But we're not tonight. It's just going to be single charge. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life, God gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. Amen. Amen. He's telling him, I'm speaking life to your... To, to the womb of Sarah. Thank you, Lord. It's dead. I know it's dead, son. That's why I'm speaking life to it. That's why I'm saying, be. It be. You be healed. You be prosperous. You be wise. You be favored. I mean, your victory may not be, and naturally speaking, but talk like it be. It is. Joel 3.10 says, God said, t- told Joel, he said, let the weak say, I show him weak. Man, I show him tired. Joel 3.10 says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Now, why do we do this? Is this positive thinking? No, but it's better than negative thinking. We are imitators of God. Ephesians 5 said, be you imitators of God. This is putting the creation principle into effect into your life. Right? I mean, there was such chaos in this planet when God came on day one and wanted light. If God had just said what he saw, we have no idea what this planet looked like from probably the pre-Adamic race. And it wasn't like it is today, even under under a curse. God said he wanted light. Why? Because it wasn't light. But he spoke what he desired. See, at least in prayer, don't make complaining prayer. That's not prayer. Get on the answer side of prayer. Get on the solution side of prayer. Make your confession the the, the solution side of it. Huh? Get on the B side. You don't have to make A's. Make B's. I be healed. I'd be prosperous. Amen. I'd be wise in God. Hmm? I'd be so happy. Yep. Amen. Paul was under arrest and took in to King Agrippa. He was in chains, and, and he shouldn't have been there. And so he gets off the ship, and Paul, and he's, he's he, he comes like this in chains, and his hands like this, and King Agrippa said, what do you got to say for yourself? This is the King James. He says, I think myself happy. <laughs> That's what Paul said. Yeah. Uh, so you're Paul. Yeah. What do you got to say for yourself? I think myself happy. I'd be happy. Really? Yeah, I'd be happy. I got some inside information. Everything going to be all right. Amen. Now, I was I was riding down the road Monday, and uh, I heard this, and I'll, I'll end right here. You've heard to say this around here for two, three years. Everything's turning out amazing. You ever heard that? And what ain't amazing, it's still turning. Lord said, don't you ever say that again. He didn't say anything was wrong with saying it. He liked it. He said, don't say that no more. He says, say now, it's amazing. No, no, I'm sorry. He didn't say that. He said, "Say it turned. It turned. It's not turning. It turned." He said, "When he said when my son turned the water into wine, was it still turning?" I said, "No, it might be for a while, but after a while, they quit turning." Hmm? When you put the microwave and you reheat whatever you make, that popcorn, uh, popcorn, <laughs> popcorn, or popcorn, whatever you're making. It's on two minutes to three minutes. After a while, that thing quits going around, right? It ain't turning more. It's ready to be eaten, right? Why? Because it already turned. See, that was the slight adjustment. He says, because you're, because there's some things that's ready now. I, I worked in produce as a kid for many years, peach orchards and tomatoes and all that. And on Monday, we, we picked tomatoes. You picked the ones that's ripe. And the ones that will be ripe in a couple of days. Because not everybody wants to buy all ripe tomatoes. They want a little time out of them, right? So he said, you know, pick it at this color and above. Right? He said, don't pick them. If I want some green tomatoes, he said, I'll come get some. But don't pick them, my like green tomatoes. He said, let them. He said, they're still turning. But these ones over here that's getting real soft, they're about to turn and rot. And the Lord said, if you just keep on saying that everything's turning, when it's ready, he said, you'll never get the harvest. Because when does it ever become ready for harvest? He said, there's things that's ready to be harvested right now that's already turned. So quit saying everything's turning. (coughs) It turned. It turned. Hmm? I mean, Lazarus was dead and Jesus said, why... You know, why are you doing this? He said, he's just sleeping. It turned. It turned. Now, you are the high priest of your confession. There's a lot more to say here about this. A whole lot more to say about this to help us. But I can't take you to that next place in your life. popular messages in the body of Christ always has been uh, God's taking us to a new level. That's a popular message. We all like that. I mean, that sounds better than, than God's about to jerk some heads off, ain't it? I mean, You know, so, I mean, you know n- new level, right? Then some of them will preach, uh, but here's a warning, new level, new devil. Well, Huh? If you want to go to a new level, even if it's not the prophetic season of new level, you can have a new level starting tonight. Hmm? Israel never got to the promised land and it was the will of God. God didn't keep them out. They kept them out. He said, your your words have shut you out of this promise. Your words. Not that it wasn't his season. See, Deuteronomy told us, Deuteronomy told us, from Egypt to the promised land was an 11-day journey. They were out there 40 years complaining. huh? Complaining. Complaining about God. Complaining about Moses. Complaining about Aaron. Complaining about what they eat. Complaining about the heat. Complaining about their environment. Complaining. Deuteronomy said it was 11 days to get there. They were out there 40 years. And everyone 25 years older never got in, died in the deserts. And all God said was, you're not coming in this land talking like that. He said, doubtless you're not coming in. And what you've been saying in my ears is what you're about to have in your life. That's, that's, That's number 14. He said, what you've been speaking in my ears is now what you're going to be living he said, 25 years old and down, you're going to die right here in this wilderness. All you've talked to me about is, ain't there enough graves need you? Wasn't there enough graves need you? He had to bring us out here dying in wilderness? You want wilderness. We're just going to die here. We're just going to die here. We're, just going to, we're going to die. He said, yeah, you sure are. You're going to die. There you go. Have you ever read that scripture? We're just going to die here. We're going to die here. We're going to die here. We're going to die here. You know where they died? Oh, out there. <laughs> Hmm? Well, I couldn't quit eating so-and-so. Well, I know, because you keep empowering it. You're, you're a king and priest, and a, and a king is releasing the authority upon themselves or cursing yourself. By what you say, I can't do. Hmm? Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. If I got his strength, I'm the match for anything. Glory to God. Well, I'm glad I came to church now. Kim Clapp was telling me about a church um, year, a year and a half ago. He said uh, this pastor. He said I, I didn't even know what the city was. He said it's. Uh, he bought a building and members left. I said, "No, I never heard nothing like that." <laughs> anyway, he said so. He was sitting there with a. Uh, $800,000 mortgage. And within six, eight months, you know, somebody was mad at this, and they mad at that, and he's mad at this. And that's all they could do to make the mortgage. The pastor was barely getting paid every now and then, trying to borrow money to live on. And the Lord says, it's okay, just stand. And he told him to speak, speak word. Speak the result. Speak the desired end. Speak the end. God always speaks the end from the beginning, and after He's completed the, after He's completed the end, He goes back to the beginning. I think for a, a home builder or a carpenter, or whatever, it'd be like a blueprint. The blueprint speaks it, of if you got a full set, it, it speaks of every phase of it, right? But you have built nothing but you know everything in one sense. Then once all that's been decided and the materials and the whereabouts and all that in the blueprint, then it goes back to the beginning and starts with the footings. God goes to the end. See, Peter said receive the end of your faith. So if you're not satisfied where you are tonight, you ain't at the end. So receive, Peter said, receive the end of your faith. So then he goes back to the beginning and does it. He starts at the front end of this thing. Now, we ought to be professionals for this. Not legalists. I don't mean these, you know, back when this message was going out years ago about confession and, and all that, you, you you had a lot of legalists say, oh, you said so-and-so, oh, you said... I, we don't want to put a badge on someone right here to arrest people all time, they said, "Well, that that hurt." Oh, <laughs> no, but we're not taking names, right. huh? He you knows it's like I got a little fun corrected right there, right? But that's true. Amen. So here we go. Here we go. We're in a good. We're in a good place. So Kim Cloud said, <clears throat> "The guy spoke." He said, "I." I he said, uh, "Kim said I, the Lord told me to call and tell you this." This is about a year or so ago. He said, I don't know why. You just told me to tell you. He said this. So he kept on saying, this mortgage is paid full. This building is paid in full. He said he's out in the country. He said, this guy is the most non-assuming pastor you don't want to meet in your life. He's as good as gold, but he's, he's he has no charisma. He's not a great orator. He's not even a great teacher. He's a great person. And the people love him. He's a great person, but he's not a skilled orator or anything. He said, matter of fact, if we walked in the room and church was about to start, if I told you, now, here's everybody in the church, tell me which one of the pastor is." He said, I don't think you could pick him out. He said, that's how I'm not assuming he is. But he believed God and kept his words ordered aright. Psalm 50, 12, I think. He kept his words ordered aright. A man walked in his church, had on a nice suit, no one else had on a suit, he sat down in the service. He got up, left the church. The next morning, the church gets a phone call. It's from this man, whoever the secretary was or wife or whatever, said, there's a man here yesterday. You remember seeing him? He was a guy with a suit. He says, this is him. He needs to meet with you as quickly as possible. He said, well, okay. Tell him uh, I can see him in the morning. The man comes in the morning, and he says, my name's whatever. He said, uh, I'm here to pay your church off. The pastor said, (laughs) well, see here, here we are. I mean, you're speaking the word, but he still says, but you don't know how much it is. He said, that has nothing to do with you. The Lord told me to pay it off. He he said, the Lord has to know what the mortgage is, and he told me to pay it off. He said, sir, I just need the balance. He said, well, it's $850,000. He said, well, tomorrow morning be quick enough. I said, Kim, has that guy ever come back to his church? He said, no. So he called the guy, and the guy said, I'm a Christian, and I belong to a church, and I tithe there. But I'm as called as a businessman to do as much as what I do is what you're called to do. He said, I'm a tither, he said, but I'm, I'm I'm, I'm the... I'm the, the priest, or I'm the king, and I'm to I, I'm called in business to produce income for the kingdom. I, I don't just pay tithes. See, people in business who have a call for business like that, they see something bigger than, well, I gave my tithes. God, yeah, take care of your family, but, but God gave something bigger. He says, so I'm just as called to do this as you're called to do what you was doing yesterday when I heard you. He said, the Lord told me to come to your church. He said, I drove to your church, and he said, this is the next church you will pay off. He says, come Sunday, and then call the pastor the next day. Never saw him again. And Kim said, you know what was good about it? I said, "What that? He said, the check was good. <laughs> he said, and the Lord told me to tell you that. He, he said, I stopped what I was doing, and I came in the house. He told me to tell you that. Because he said, I believe he wants to do it again. He pays off houses too. He pays off visas, MasterCards. He pays off Sears. They sent me something the other day, you ever got one in his mail? It said, just sign here and your payment will be this. You ever got one of those? I've had friends like that, that said, the Lord... The Lord blessed us, and I said, "He did, because you remember. You remember what the interest rate on the thing was? It was eighty-seven percent. But the but the deal was, it was one hundred and sixteen dollars a month for seven hundred forty years. But I mean, it was it, it was. You see what I'm saying? But because you needed money, and money showed up, you said, "Well, look what the Lord did. No, He didn't put you in bondage like that, huh? Let's start calling what be not." As though it be and start imitating God. Yes, hallelujah. I mean, is that a bad person to imitate? People nope. say, so See, so, you th- so you're going to start trying to be like God? Oh my gosh, who you think you are? Yeah, I'm going to try to be just like Him. Just like Him. Talk like Him, act like Him, believe like Him, think like Him. Amen.